You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with The Good News. Hey there, friend. It is Angie Austin with The Good News. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, All the radio pals are here, the Good News team. I love it when we have a full house. Friends getting together, Christians, real people trying to navigate life. We share good news with you from the news business, but we also share the good news of Christ and how, uh, you know, our faith helps us uh, get through every day. Producer Dave is here. My radio friend and PR guy, Eric Raymer, is here. Also, uh, Beatrice Bruno, Drill sergeant of life uh, author speaker she's in the financial business now as well if you're interested in talking to her about your financial future michelle betts real estate and also michelle ron uh, speaker and former teacher and miss uh, uh senior america 2004 she speaks a lot so does beatrice actually i don't speak as much anymore i actually got booked for a really good paying gig recently and um, I don't cool. know what's come over me. No, I turned it down. Oh. That was a lot oh. of money for a speaking gig. And I wrote back and I said, I feel so, Dave's mouth's open. I said, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm very blessed that you would want me to do this. But I'm retiring from a lot of my duties that my kids are my main job these days. And uh, I'm really flattered God that you want to book me. But, um, <clears throat> but I, um, I'm going to have to say no. And uh, thank you. And she wrote back. She was kind of shocked because she'd gotten me a fee that she got me in the past, which is very good. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm just, I don't know. I, I think my husband's getting to the point where he's providing some peace for me that I yeah. don't have to worry about uh, working as much anymore. You know, God's going to honor that that stand uh, when you put your kids, your family first. I remember when we uh, started our radio show 11 years ago. You an and, angel. Yep, and, we, and it was and called. We, it was called the Experience Pros Radio Show. Yeah, it was a long running show. We were offered here by this network uh, the drive home time. And uh, even though it was just a small show, it was a th- at the time it was just 30 minutes daily, we were offered this, this ride home. And, of course, the, that's the most coveted spot on, on the dial. I mean, there's simply no better time slot than the drive home. But had we said yes to that, Angel would never have been able to be there when her, their, her kids got home. And so, you know, and I was the guy who baptized all three of those kids, right? Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, you know, we, we support what uh, what you want to do as a family, and uh, we said no to that and took a 1030 slot instead. And God honored that, Amen. and the network gave us a replay during the drive home anyways. Amen. Wow. Amen. That's cool. And, of course, what God calls you to, he equips you for. That's right. And and those kids, by the way, uh, just a quick update, they're uh, uh, 21 and 25. There's three of them. Two two are twins. 25-year-olds are twins. Uh, They're doing fantastic. They all work and live in Florida, working for Disney. They all love the Lord. Uh, they're, They're doing a fantastic job. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, they take a lot of work. And, uh, Michelle, you can, uh, you know, uh, Michelle Betts, you can relate. We have three kids about the same age, and they're all involved in a lot of <clears throat> sports. And, uh, you know, um, Mark, my husband, works a lot. <clears throat> so I have to figure out how to get them all their different places. And I'm sometimes in the car for five hours at night, you know, getting them sure. all their different places. So it takes a lot. I don't see how you do that on your own because... <clears throat> 
Andy and I worked together for all of that. I feel like I spend about an hour first thing in the morning just texting back and forth with him and coaches in our carpools and making sure we're all set for the week. Yeah. Like, it feels like that's a daily thing that we do. Yeah. It is. It is I, a daily I, thing. I have, I have a couple of moms that help me if I need help mm-hmm. for specific sports, but in general, I try to do most of it myself. It kind of works out, you know, thankfully in our area everything's pretty easy to get to mm-hmm. it just gets complicated when sometimes i'll have basketball jujitsu and baseball at the same time now they're in volleyball basketball baseball jujitsu year-round swimming and hope just qualified uh, she had tryouts for like the feeder um, palm squad so the feeder cheerleading squad mm-hmm. that you do in middle school but they treat it just like the high school regulations so that's six right you should right, get right? all of your kids involved in hockey because it does all those things <laughs> oh and tutoring <laughs> takes all your money tutoring and con uh, and band concerts so that's eight what what does oh hockey does all those things yeah yeah you know you got the it's frozen water so it's not you're not swimming right. as <laughs> right, hard right right, right. Uh, okay we need to move boxing. on because Eric is Hockey's going there now <laughs> okay just hush up over there uh-huh. okay yes, hush ma'am. up he is uh, and there's boxing involved in hockey all right so I think that uh, producer Dave's got our good news story yeah this is great um, so speaking of good parenting is this guy. Uh, was a dad. He had two little girls, and he uh, he died of an aneurysm. I th- I think when the younger one was only ten. Anyway, they didn't know how to. It was only a year ago, and um, they they didn't know how to deal with it. They didn't know what to do, and but they knew that they were connected to their dad through music, and mm. so they did one thing that they thought that they could do, and it, it actually started growing bigger than they thought it could, was going to. Not Velcro, nor Elmer's glue, nor Cockleburs can form a bond like a dad to his daughters. True for Steve Walter to Nang and Jen. Yeah, it is. In one week. I just realized how much I've lost. It will be one year. Seeing all these families and all these dads with their kids on the train and just knowing that I didn't have that anymore. That was the worst part. The worst part. Sorry, I didn't know I was going to make this me feel this awful, but... That brought out their best. Welcome to Dad Rock Radio. I'm Jen. I'm Nang. And we're here in the studio with a packed house today. Oh, yes, it is. Dad Rock Radio. Wish you were here by Pink Floyd. So, so you think you can tell. Streaming to the Marquette University campus and beyond. California Desert Party by Jonathan Richmond. Their father's music. California Desert Party. He had hundreds of songs. Hundreds of songs their dad had downloaded. Some played on his guitar, others on family road trips in the car. Often to the dismay of his daughters. Dad's music was lame to me. Lame, till their dad's heart aneurysm at age 50. Yes. Changed their perspective. Because that was his music. It's something to hold on to. I believe in memories, they look so yeah. yeah. Jen pitched the idea to Nang, who takes the train from DePaul University in Chicago to join her sister in Milwaukee at the campus radio station at Marquette, where they've discovered a small community of other students who belong to the club no one wants to join. You grew up in Minnesota. I did. You grew up outside of Minneapolis. Meredith Lowry lost her dad at age 10. It's never not 
something that you think about. It's always a part of you. For years, Meredith kept it inside. I think this has helped me open up a lot. Because Dad Rock is also interspersed. Did he like uh, Twilight Zone? With Dad Talk. How about we play around a dad card? You see what the term is, and then you tell a story based on that. I got the cooking jeans from my dad. <laughs> he made an egg sunny side up. It was burnt, like this egg was totally black. <laughs> Awful, and I have not eaten a sunny side up egg since then. I got Halloween. This Halloween story. So we would steal his old jeans. Is being shared old, like, by Claire. Plaid shirt or something. A high school student from Michigan making her first appearance on Dad Rock Radio. Claire's over here smiling. With Nang and Jen. Like that's terrifying. Her sisters. You really don't share these stories with anyone. And, Lauren. And hearing you. The girl's mom is here for the first time too. He was quite the guy. We have some pictures on our website of what you guys looked like back in college. The whole family in studio. Heart of Gold by Neil Young. And in their own self-designed grief therapy. It's good to see them just celebrating all those memories stuff. And, 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 and it's good for me because I see that it's been good for them. I don't have to hide anymore. I don't have to kind of stuff my grief down in a closet and never open it. I needed to attack it head on. I needed to find a way to come to terms with what I was going through. A year ago next week, they lost the most important man in their lives. Yeah. But in his music, Steve Walter left for his family a path forward. We will close out with the Star Trek theme song in memory of all the nerdy dads out there. A path forward and a beat to keep on their way. Ladies first. Wow. Love that. I absolutely I love it. it. That's beautiful. Why, yeah. why does that have to be for old men? No, it, does, it doesn't <laughs> at all. I just love the fact of how we each have our own music identity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, and I think that's the fun of it. You can be any yes. age. Any age. Yeah. I really like seeing grieving in a good way. Yes. Like grief being dealt with in a healthy, positive way. Mm -hmm. And the memories are all there, but they're using it forward. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then how do you get to the point, like this is just the passing of time, mm -hmm. where it's a celebration? I just saw my friend, uh, uh, she, she lost her sister, and they were having this celebration of her life that was so beautiful, and everything was so perfectly her. And she was talking about... Um, how her sister would have enjoyed this and the setting and she wouldn't want them to be sad obviously but the pain that they're in is so intense uh, and when when can you get to the point where the memories bring you comfort or warmth or happiness uh, and not just a stabbing pain oh that varies with every single person mm -hmm. uh, for me it was um my mom was my best friend, and for me, it was way down the road. I couldn't even tell you how long ago, but I do remember um, specifically going through a, a department store and through the fragrance department and smelling for the uh, Estelada mm. and uh, smiling. And that was my mom's favorite. And I still have a sweater that I kept from her because I can pull it out of the drawer and still smell her. Mm -hmm. And for years, for a long time, it brought tears and tears. And it was good to bring those tears. But there was a point when it does bring 
And you smiled it and smiled. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Or, and the other thing is a song. The song, Long, Long Trail, was the song mm -hmm. that my mom sang forever in the car with me. And I can remember hearing that. And a smile comes instead of the tears. Mm -hmm. But I, I, it varies for everybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. To, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. I completely agree with that. Mm -hmm. A couple weeks ago, um, I was in the car with Sienna. And it's funny because my kids, my, my ex-husband is... I'm black and he's Caucasian. He's Brit British, right? So we've, we are the music that we listen to is you know I, I listen to a whole bunch sure. of stuff, but he's got his own kind of music that he loves, and the kids will a lot of times bring it up randomly with me like, oh my gosh, mom, do you know this Cranberry song or this <laughs> Fleetwood Mac song? And I'll be like, not only do I know that, let me tell you all my favorite ones. And then it always kind of takes me back to you know when me and my ex-husband were young and dating or like all our travels overseas and all the songs we list, used to listen to. And I got kind of choked up the other day when, you know, she'd asked about the song and I was like, I know that song very well. That used to be one of our songs that we really enjoyed listening to. Um, but it's, I don't know, it, like I, I cried, but it, I wasn't, I was kind of like, man, I can't believe our, you know, we're not married. But in another sense, I just thought, that's really cool that you have all these phases of your life and you can remember each of them separately Time. and different but good. Yep. You know what I How mean? How interesting the different types of grief. Beatrice, we've talked about that, that <clears throat> it can be grief of a career. Like Eric just changed his you know, career from longtime radio guy, completely changed his career. He's doing PR, which he did before, but, you know, it's a huge career change. And then uh, Dave, your son, diagnosed uh, over a year ago now with cancer, but the miracle of him uh, being really, I mean, a one-in-a-million case where he's doing so well. You grieving, you know, for, still feeling grief from time to time over the loss of your marriage, the, your divorce. You, um, Michelle, with your mom, mm -hmm. who's been gone many years oh, now. Oh, many years. And then the yep. moment that it turned to mm -hmm. uh, a smile, thinking of her. And Beatrice, with it raw and new, mm -hmm. that, you know, recently losing her husband, young, you know, in his early 60s. And getting past those firsts. Those firsts. And she you were sharing this. what this Saturday is. This Saturday is his birthday. He would have been 63. Sure. And um, I really don't know what I'm going to do on that day. Sure. I, I don't. I, I can't mm -hmm. say that I'm going to let people take me off somewhere and do right. stuff. Right. I really can't say that because it's so fresh. Sure. Yeah. You know, of and course. then thinking about the year anniversary of his passing, I'm really like, oh, Lord, really? Right. It's it's a, a, a I'm at a place where I, I kind of wish I could rush through it, mm -hmm. but it's not a, a thing you can rush through. No. Mm -mm. It really is not. You know, you have to just you have to walk it out. Right. You know, it's interesting because I'm really proud of you. Um, this is a, it, it's just something I thought of the other day because um, your grandfather was the closest person to you and losing your husband brought back that you didn't grieve that your grandma yes. is just like your, your grandfather's dead get on with your life yes. and he was the closest person to you you live with your grandparents mm -hmm. you're about 13 and he was your life and you would have preferred your grandmother died yep because she sure was hateful to, towards you she yeah. didn't like you because you were too dark you yes. said okay with that said i'm proud of you because the way she handled his death she was mad at him mm -hmm. because he didn't take care of his health mm -hmm. now 
you're not mad at your husband. There were things he did, you know, that, you know, probably compromised his health to some degree, smoking, whatever. Mm -hmm. With that said, your grandmother took a totally different, I'm mad at him. I don't want to talk about him. You know, I'm so ticked. She didn't even go to the funeral. Oh, Wouldn't go to the funeral because she was mad at him that he died. Beatrice has handled the death of her husband so differently than the role model she had when she was young or her grandparents. Mm -hmm. And how her grandmother treated that and didn't allow Beatrice to grieve because she wasn't going to grieve because she was blaming him for his yeah. death. Yeah. And that you have handled the death of your husband in a way that has allowed your daughters to honor him and you to honor him, mm-hmm. et cetera. And you can be left with that. Why did you leave me feeling? Right. You know? And, you know, I look at it as God was ready to take him home for whatever reason. I, I don't know. And right. and I, I thank God that he took him quickly because my husband would not have been a good invalid. I, mm. I'll say it like that. He would not have been a good patient. And so for God to take him as quickly. It's very valid. It, it really very is valid. because I, I look at, uh, we just talked about Eric and what he's gone through with his heart. With his heart. And when I think about what happened with my husband, because he was at work. He was standing next to one of the guys that worked for him. He said, I feel lightheaded. He started falling. The guy caught him so that he would not hit the floor. Mm-hmm. Right. And at that point, my husband was gone. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a um, something myocardial, myocardial infarction. infarction. Yeah, heart attack. Yeah, a heart attack. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was he was gone just like that. And so I thank God that he took him quickly like that, because like I said, he would not have been a good patient at all. You know, I I don't fully understand everything and I I miss him. Lord knows I miss that man. But um, given him being an invalid in the hospital or or having having for somebody to have to take care of him. God did the right thing with him. He really did. And I, I thank God for that. And I know that sounds, that may sound crazy to some of y'all listeners. It, it really may, but please listen to my heart. My husband would not have been a good patient at all. And so for God to just take him so quickly like that, I thank God that my husband was not incapacitated in any way so that he would have to look at us look at him yeah. trying to take care of him that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. amen mm-hmm. amen amen so thank you angie and yes it's been rough but you know what i i still have a work to do for the lord i i still got work to do and and um i'm missing him in my time and getting past it in my time and y'all just pray for us, sister because this grief thing is real right. and the pain is real right. it really is so but um I thank God for all y'all. I thank God for the people he surrounded me with. And that's important. Yep. If you got to, if, if I got to grieve, I thank God for the people that he's put around me that helped me through that. Amen. Not the crazy ones that um, like the friend you were talking about just now that, that just celebrated her sister, the woman walking up to her in church saying after six weeks, Oh, you still grieving. See, that's when the spirit of slap will come upon my right hand <laughs> and the spirit of the left slap. foot of fellowship. That's a okay. Garrett calls it, right? <laughs> the left foot of fellowship, baby. The right-footed fellowship. Uh, it doesn't matter. Either foot. Either foot works. Yeah. They're yeah. both fellowship-oriented. Oh, yes. yes. they are, right. Oh, yes. Right. yes. We're going to lay so, hands and see the, the... You better say that. You're going to be slain in the spirit. Come on here. <laughs> slain in the spirit. <laughs> well, at least you'll be slain. <laughs> 
I don't know what spirit you're going to be in, but you're going to be slain, baby. Uh, but I'm funny. just, you know, I, I thank God for the people that he has surrounded me with because throughout this entire thing, he has always put people. M- Michelle, Mimi was at the hospital with us. And, um, you know, the night of. And if you look, let me tell you all something. Be careful of the folks that you surround yourself with, because when hard times come, you need to have some folks that's going to pray for you. That's going to love on you and going to be there for you throughout the entire thing. Don't get no crazy folk that's going to make the spirit of slap come upon you. I'm just saying. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. True friends. It's uh, it takes it. You know, as Christians, we don't live on an island alone. No, we really, do not. It is a village situation, not just in raising kids, but in being there and comforting each other and um, offering guidance. You need to go to those people that um, you know think like you think and believe what you believe. And believers, you know, help each other out in times of need. All right, AngieAustinRadio.com, AngieAustinRadio.com. That's my website if you want to reach out to anyone on the program. I mentioned at the top of the show, we're all in different industries. We're all friends. We're all Christians. Uh, We'd love to help you out, and I'd love to get some more sponsors for the good news because we'd really love to stay on the air. I think we're headed towards eight years here. We'll be right back. The good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hi, it's Angie. Hey, do you have a lot of things around your house you want to get rid of? My husband wants me to get rid of anything and everything that is in his way. 303-238-JANE. I love ARC. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. 303-238-JANE. They bring a truck right to my house. I actually have them come every month or two, and it is so helpful to get that place cleaned out because you know what? My husband's a lot nicer to me when I donate things, and who better to donate to than ARC? 303-238-JANE and arcthrift.org for a location near you if you just want to drop a few things off and do a little shopping. arcthrift.org, shopping with a purpose. I love Arc. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on contact me. I would would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Angie Austin here, along with best-selling author Martin Yate. He specializes in your career, helping you have a great one. And he says successful careers do not happen by accident. Welcome back, Martin. Good to be with you, Angie. Uh, no, they, they certainly don't. We had these two lessons we all grew up with. Um, get a job, work hard, start at the bottom, be loyal, make sacrifices, and you'll be rewarded with employment security and gradually increasing responsibility and earnings. Well, we know how much truth there is in that one. And then the other approach is follow your bliss 
until you achieve it, and then you'll never work another day in the rest of your life. <laughs> now, the, one is disproven, the other is patently idiotic, and neither of them are plans. You know, it's interesting because the the old the first uh, the first uh, example you gave was our our parents, you know, and they get the watch and the clock and they work for 50 years for the same company. And isn't that amazing? And the second example is kind of the millennial example. I think I told you recently, my husband interviewed someone for a job, asked why he bounced around so much. And he's like, well, I'm just trying to find like work life balance. Like if I want to go to yoga, I want to go to yoga. Like if I want to go get a latte, I want to go get a latte. And so he would leave (laughs) he would leave a job if they had a problem with his work-life balance like a crusade. Uh, You know, people forget that the idea of job interviews is not about deciding what you want. It's about getting a job offer. And then they might pretend to be interested. Otherwise, they're not. You should do nothing at a job interview that gets in the way of you getting a uh, getting that offer, which complaining about the lack of lattes is absolutely going to achieve. <laughs> All right. So in uh, in this uh, uh, segment, talking about successful careers that don't happen uh, by accident, you talk about the point being to, you know, get, you know, a roof over your head, food on the table, financial stability, save for your kids' college, take care of your family. And I tell my kids that a lot. I'm like, all of my hard work, all of the years I worked hard in school, that's why you're riding this car. That's why you have all the sports. That's why you have a tutor. That's why you can afford, we have a nanny come over that reads with you and does your laundry and takes care of you. All of that is because of all the hard work I did in the past. And I think a lot of us lose sight of that. Yeah, and it's not, you know, the world has become so much more insecure. Um, And with the uh, uh, invasion of automation and the robots, it's going to become more insecure. So we, we really need a business plan for our career. We've got a career that's going to span 50 years. Statistically, we change jobs in America about every four years. That means that there's about 15 job changes going to happen in your life. So, you know, knowing how to get interviews, knowing how to turn them into offers, uh, knowing when to plan and execute a move, having a plan of attack is critical today. So you talk about having this career management plan or plan of attack. And so if you don't have that, you say we lack financial security and what else? Well, what happens if you don't have a plan? One, you're not going to have the security and you're going to get the age of, to the age of 40 and, and look at your life and say, wait a minute, I don't have a career. I just have a whole bunch of very similar jobs at different companies. What happened to my career? The point being, no one's ever told you how to manage your career, and there's some foundations that we can put it on that will be very effective. Okay, so how do we do it? Following our bliss. I mean, it sounds great, and I do, <laughs> and I do love talking on the radio, but there are a lot of other things I have to do to have my own show that I don't necessarily find to be my passion. Uh, so part of my job might be bliss, but there's a lot of things that go along with the job that aren't always bliss. And then, as you mentioned, we can't just work hard for 50 years and get the watch anymore. So how do we manage our career? What I suggest we do is we take a more business-like approach to our lives. And instead of letting a career be something that happens to us, we think of ourselves as a financial entity. We think of ourselves as a corporation. We are me, Inc. 
and me Inc. has to survive over at least half a century and how well we do it it will depend on the quality of our life outside of work and within me Inc., every company is organized pretty much along the same lines um, there is strategic planning. What are we going to? What do the customers want to buy three years from now? There's R and D. How do we develop those services or products? Right? Uh, there's marketing. How do we position those products in the places so they're seen by the customers who want to buy them? Sales. <laughs> right? How are we going to sell these products? And then finance. How are we going to finance it? Now, we live in a 24-7 uh, stream of advertising where we're told to buy things. And if just in that one instance, it wasn't about immediate gratification, but it's what's best for my company, what's best for me. So what I'm suggesting is, is we have uh, the basis of our career management plans. We have a strategic plan. We have R&D to develop new skills. Um, uh, we have sales materials, resumes, social media profiles, and a marketing plan where we make them visible and in determining how we want to be seen. So I love that. Be Inc. I like I like to joke around that I'm a corporation of one and whatever I need to do to get the job done, whether it's hiring someone or do it myself, then I'm going to do it. And you'll never hear me say well, that's not my job. You, well, that's in a, no. Every, everyone thinks you just sit and chat. No one knows how hard you work in a studio. And, how, and finding good guests like yourself and keeping them and, you know, and the topics and, you know, filling, um, I fill about four hours a day. So that's 20 hours a week. And that's a lot of material. And you don't just want to sit there and talk about, you know, uh, just yourself. You want to actually talk about things that you know, like you, the listener, want to hear me talk about and that, you know, Martin, that you want to discuss. So you say adapt, survive and prosper Think of yourself as Me, Inc. You are a corporation of one. Uh, Martin, where do we find your books, including Knock 'em Dead, the ultimate job search guide? Uh, the 32nd edition of the ultimate job search guide is available, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, just about anywhere you can find books, except one, those bookstores that sell channeling crystals yes. as well. I'm not very big there. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> well, thank you, <laughs> Martin Yates. Take yes, care, Angie. you are too practical. Thank you. Angie here, along with one of my favorites, Jim Stovall, author of over 40 books, international speaker and movie maker, and also column writer. Every week he writes the column Winner's Wisdom, and this one involves apathy, and as I'm reading it, I'm wondering... <laughs> If this might be a little bit about me, it's called avoiding apathy. So, Jim, what are you teaching us this week? Well, apathy is one of the most dangerous things in the world. You know, the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. The opposite of success is not failure, it's apathy. Failure is part of success. We fail our way towards success. We have temporary setbacks, and then we move forward towards success. The only thing that stops us on that upward spiral is apathy, the, the point when we don't care. You can't even engage with someone that doesn't care. And one of the most dangerous things we have in our society is 
people who simply don't care. They're not engaged. They haven't found anything for which they're passionate. And, you know, even in our political system, the, one of the most dangerous things are, is a, an apathetic electorate, people that just don't even care enough to educate themselves or even go vote. Now, okay, there's so much to, you know, educate yourself about in the world um, besides the politics and news of the day and your health and then, you know, sports and a lot of other things. For instance, my son and my husband have been watching a lot of hockey and I really am not that interested. So I would say I'm apathetic about hockey. Are there certain things we can remain apathetic about that we really don't care about? You mentioned that you're not a huge fan of abstract modern art and that you would say that you're uh, apathetic about that. Right. It's okay to be to choose, pick and choose the things we're apathetic about, but there are certain things we all have to be passionate about. You know, one of the things is is our is our political system, our government, and the world around us. We have to have some passion for that. And you know, our health, our finances, those things. You have to at least be engaged enough to have success. And then our loved ones, the people that uh, you know, our significant other, our our children, our parents. You know, you have to have a passion for those things. And, uh, you know, it's not important that you're passionate about everything. It's important that you're passionate about the right things and certain things. And then you have to have that. But uh, nothing happens without passion. And apathy is the enemy of all passion. You mentioned that, you know, um, in the article about it being perfectly acceptable, as you mentioned, to be apathetic about selected things. Now, when it comes to the couple that come to mind to me, um, well, health, number one, I have two friends that lost, you know, someone that they love very much. In fact, one of them was uh, my cousin uh, and uh, his significant other of 10 years. And it's uh, been a couple of years now. And uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to use the word apathetic or ignoring. But I think, you know, they're, they're in the same family. But just, you know, that there might be some health issues. He ended up having a stroke at 52. And then my um, girlfriend just lost her husband about six months ago. And I would say that the smoking and the eating bad food and maybe the lack of exercise, it, he died of a heart attack and it was just boom, like immediate. So with that said... Uh, I think sometimes we're apathetic about things, but if we knew how they'd impact the ones we love, maybe we wouldn't be so apathetic about things like health. If we could see into the very near future in some cases and not in our 70s, 80s, 90s, would we be dealing with these things, but much, much earlier, like early 50s, maybe we would get an eye opener and not be so apathetic about our health. Yeah, we don't fail because we don't know what to do. We fail because we don't do what we know. And, you know, when you you mentioned cigarette smoking, everybody that smokes cigarettes knows that those are bad for you. They know that sooner or later those will uh, do you harm. It says so right on the package. And everybody knows that smoking is a problem. It's just this next one I'm lighting right now. They, 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 they want to overlook that and they procrastinate. And that's the first step toward apathy is, well, I probably do need to do something. I just don't need to do it right now. And then the time to act never comes. And then we find ourselves being apathetic. We, we just don't get engaged. We never get engaged. All right. Here's one. And this one, Mike would completely not agree with me on. Maybe you won't either. And I'm not quite sure 
how to articulate this one. Okay, so in my marriage, and my husband and I have different political beliefs, and he really loves, enjoys, gets a thrill out of debating, maybe even arguing. He thinks it's fun. He has always been very successful in sales, so he enjoys like going in and and um, going over the price of like a used car or a car for a day to, to get the price down. He thinks that's like a challenge and, and uh, fun. I think it's like putting needles under my fingernails. So when it comes to politics, I avoid the topic with him like the plague. I wouldn't say that I'm apathetic, but um, I, it, you know, Mike is really into politics and I'm medium into it. I see so many of the relationships around me adversely affected by these political arguments because there's such um, hatred on one side for Donald Trump and you can't talk to somebody that hates someone so much that they'll never like them regardless of whether or not they do a good job. And so I, in fact, I'm one of my favorite therapist friends. Her family's severed now. They can't have um, Thanksgiving together and Christmas together and a lot of these events because they care so much about their politics. They care more about being right than being a family. So am I apathetic because I don't care enough to debate it with him to win? Or is that something different? No, that's something different. That's that's a debate mentality. And, you know, I am more concerned that people go vote. I mean, the, the, the problem we have in our society is not the half of the people that are debating. It's the half of the people that don't care enough to go vote. And, uh, you know, you and your husband, I mean, you get to a certain point with certain people and you realize, okay, nobody's going to change their mind here. And we're all engaged. We all are informed. We're all voting. We're all doing what we need to do. But it's not important that uh, we continue to debate among ourselves. Uh, There are certain people on my board, certain people in my company, that I know how they feel about certain things. I disagree, and we can uh, disagree without being disagreeable, but we're not apathetic. But you can't even debate with someone that doesn't care. It's like trying to have an argument with someone that that won't get engaged. I mean, you can't even do that. And... uh, but, I, you know, I think the important thing, the bottom line on, on the political statement is we've got to go vote. We've got to be at least that engaged. And uh, when we don't vote, the people that you're arguing with, they win. Well, and vote and prepare enough on the issues and read enough, take the time. I think apathy is like a best friend to laziness. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about moms because uh, my my mom um, might fall in this arena as well. But you mentioned your mom um Uh, I get hungry just reading this part of the article, uh, created and prepared a great variety of meals, but you were like my son. My son really just wants uh, macaroni and cheese, maybe an apple, maybe a carrot. Like there aren't many things. His his food um, family is so tiny. And so your mom would prepare these meals and and maybe like my son, you'd kind of turn your nose at them when they arrived at the table. Yeah, mom was very strategic about it. She would always have something she knew we all liked, but then she would, would try something new, a, a vegetable, preparing something a different way, maybe an Asian cuisine, something. And the rule was you have to try it. And, you know, and then if you don't like it, um, so be it. But uh, and it's amazing how many of those things I love that I still love today. And, you know, we did that with all sorts of things, different kinds of music, different kinds of 
of books, different kinds of uh, movies, everything we would do, you know, uh, because you can get very uh, uh, narrow in your scope. And uh, I, I remember the great blues musician B.B. King that worked in one of my movies, you know, and we would sit around and talk about movies. But uh, it wasn't, uh, I mean, he was as engaged with Bach as he was with Muddy Waters. And he, he loved that stuff. And he said, Jim, there's only two kinds of music in the mm-hmm. world. There's good music and bad music. <laughs> and he respected anyone that played good music. And the same thing is true with literature and food and everything else. So, you know, there's a huge world out there. And, and don't, by your own apathy, shrink your world down to a little tiny thing. It's huge. And you should go and taste and feel and experience everything there is out there. You know, um, I think it's something that I've fought against, you know, for instance, my mom has this phone and I know she is a senior, not learning how to use it has been a common theme, I'd say, over maybe the past 15 years and not learning how to text and saying, I don't know how to do it. And then the kids teach her again and again. But this just wasn't a senior theme. And I think watching my mom over the years, not liking the challenge of school and staying in maybe a factory job she didn't enjoy and not, you know, learning the system of like, you know, how to book a ticket, how to use a computer, how to use email. And I get it that she's fearful of about life, but I think it's been a theme for me in that I've wanted to be the antithesis of that. And we seem so different. You know, I think I told you once, my son says, Grandma's very pessimistic. I'm very optimistic. And it's almost as if everything in her that has frustrated me, I've tried to not become because I find it... Um, um, I don't know, sad to not live life to the fullest or to live with unforgiveness. So it's kind of molded who I am. Um, but with that said, um, um, you know, we still, uh, I, she lives with me, I take care of her, and we have a, I would say, pretty good relationship um, nonetheless, even though we're polar opposites. So I guess apathy in some weird way spurred me on to not be that way. Um, all right, Jim, so where do we find you and your books and your website? Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. Jimstovall.com. Always a pleasure. You get me thinking, Jim. Thank you. Hey, be well. Hello, my name is Donna. I worked for the ARC for six years, and I loved every second. And I love working for the ARC. My favorite thing working for the ARC is I love everything about it. I love my managers and my coworkers, and it's just a pleasant place. And it's a place where you feel safe and loved, and they treat you like a family. The best deal I found at the ARC is I found a brand new litter box for my cat. <laughs> Call 303-238-JANE. 303-238-JANE. Or visit arcthrift.org. Please do your shopping at the ARC because you're shopping with the purpose. YMCA of the Rockies and Estes Park is an ideal family vacation. Come visit and be inspired by our surroundings. At YMCA of the Rockies, you can fill your days and nights with our fun, family-friendly programs and activities. This summer, YMCA has tons of fun and excitement planned for your family, and soon you can bring the entire family when we introduce our new dog park and dog-friendly activities. 
Whether you are looking for a harrowing adventure or just a relaxing stroll near Rocky Mountain National Park, YMCA can send you on your way. YMCA of the Rockies is the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At the YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to ymcarockies.org. Fill your next family vacation with fun, exciting, and affordable adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Go to ymcarockies.org to book your stay today. Welcome back, Angie Austin here. Well, summer is right around the corner, and that means many people will be looking for a job. And as we all know, it can be tough to land that perfect gig. And for small businesses like my husband's, finding and attracting the right applicants can be definitely a real challenge. However, leveraging your social network to find your next job or your next employee can help. I did it on Facebook myself, and you can too. Joining us today is Stephanie O'Connell, a career and money expert, to share tips on some of the unexpected ways that you can leverage your social network this season to find a job or a new hire. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi, how are you? Doing well. So let's talk about first, how important is your online presence when you're looking for a job? It's pretty important, isn't it? Absolutely. 77, 70% rather of employers use social media to screen candidates during the hiring process. So you really want to be thinking about your digital presence when you're job searching. I like to tell people that their social presence and their digital presence is something that they can think of as an extension of their resume to think about the story they're telling those potential future employers. And one in four people are already using Facebook to find and search for jobs. So we see that it's a really effective tool, both from the employer and the employee perspective. Yeah, and my, my, my feeling is if it can't be something like your grandma could see, like I have a, like my brand, like I'm like a mom, I'm clean cut, I don't use naughty language, I've been on TV and radio for years, so I have a brand, it's clean cut, wholesome. So, you know, if you, my, my husband was looking for an employee and um, they went to her Facebook page and let's just say if you put any um, pictures up there with very little clothing on, everyone's going to see it. Do you really want your boss to see that stuff? Exactly. You want to think about the story you're telling potential employers about yourself. So I tell people, you know, post things about your goals, your aspirations. Yes, you want to also think about what kind of professional things you can share, industry news, industry insights, but who you are as a person matters too. So if you have goals around, let's say you're running a marathon, or let's say uh, you are taking your family on a vacation, it's nice to showcase those parts of yourself as well. Now, what types of jobs are available on Facebook? So some of the most common job listings on Facebook in the month of April range from hospitality to sales to retail to office and admin roles. But you can find roles across all industries on jobs at Facebook. And you can find them for various time commitments. So whether you're looking for something more permanent, more part-time, full-time, maybe internship or even volunteer opportunities, there are roles across the board. Wow. So how exactly do you find that particular section of Facebook? 
Yeah, you can go to facebook.com slash jobs, and you can see listings right there. You'll also start seeing them popping up in your news feed, too. So really, it's as easy as just going on Facebook and scrolling through the news feed. I had no idea, and I use Facebook every day. I didn't know. I didn't use it that way when I was looking for my job. So um, give me some tips. uh, Give us some tips on how we can effectively uh, use Facebook for ourselves. Well, 70% of hiring in the U.S. is done through networking. So the biggest thing is to actually make sure you're tapping into your network, and your social network is a huge piece of that equation. The second thing to keep in mind is that you want to keep your profile up to date. So make sure your education, your experience, uh, anything you have there related to your professional accomplishments has all the latest information. Uh, Brag about yourself a little bit, if you will. Uh, The second, uh, rather the third thing you can do is post regular updates. So what is the industry news? What is the insight that you can be bringing to the table? You can showcase that professional side of yourself right there on Facebook. And finally, like I said before, people want to work with people. So don't be afraid to share a little bit about your own goals and aspirations and really round you out as a person. Wow. I didn't know about this. I'm in there right now. They've got like a sandwich artist, which sounds fantastic actually for the summer, barber, driver, health and wellness instructor. Who knew? And the way I used it was a little bit different. I left TV news and I had another job offer with a CBS station in town. And I, I really wanted to do good news on the radio. So I talked about how I was in between jobs and I wanted to start a good news program. And a friend of a friend um, was a big mucky muck with a network and saw it. And get this, Stephanie. My husband's like, don't put that on there. Like, it's embarrassing. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, hey, I'm humble. I'm a real transparent person. I'm in between jobs. Big deal. I did 20 years in TV. This is not embarrassing. I chose to move over to radio. It was the very first day I posted it. And then I got my own show I'd say within a month after they went through the interviewing process and they would have never known if I wouldn't have put it on Facebook and been humble and honest. I love that story. And I have so many of my own that are just like that. That's what tapping into your network is really about. And since we know that so many jobs come from networking, let's be honest with our networks and let people know that we're on the job hunt and be posting about what kind of value we can bring to the table because that just opens us up to more and more opportunity. Okay, one more question. If you want to narrow things down, because I'm I'm scrolling through like the feed of the jobs available, how do you narrow Mm -hmm. it down? down to your area of expertise or of interest? Well, you can certainly use search functionality within Facebook, but the other thing that you can do is if there is a specific business, for example, that you're really interested in working for, you can go directly to their page and see if they have any job listings right there on their page. So that's a really great way to get targeted about your job search. Okay, something else I get asked a million times since I do good news on the left where it says job type next to on the jobs on Facebook on the left. (laughs) You can click volunteer because people always say, like, I want to volunteer. I don't know where to go. You can click on it. It brings up all the volunteer opportunities. 
Exactly. There's everything from volunteer to internships. You know, it's graduation season. We got a lot of new people in the job market. It's summer where people who are still in school might be looking for those summer internships. So, again, we're really kind of catering to the vast, you know, majority of people. If there is some kind of job you're looking for, if it's full-time, part-time, internship, volunteer, you can search for all of those different kinds of roles right there on Facebook. Excellent. Great info, Stephanie. And again, give us the best place to go to get that info. Yep, you can start scrolling right now as you are at facebook.com slash jobs. Love it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm going to go look for some volunteer work. Thank you so much for listening to this uh, sponsored interview. I appreciate you very much. Uh, when we team up with partners like this, it really helps keep our show on the air. And you as well help keep our show on the air. So thank you for supporting the good news. Thanks for listening to the good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com.